This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 125. In order for it to scale, is you've got to invent the system. This is how we do it. This is how we do it. This is who we are. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everybody? This is Josh Dorkin, host to the Bigger Pockets podcast, here with my co-host, Mr. Brandon Turner. What's going on, Brandon? What up? What up? Not much. I'm uh, sitting down today. Do you like this? Look at me. You are. You are. Normally, That's I'm standing great. at my standing desk, but today I decided to be lazy and sit. Is that all right with you? That is awesome. All right. Sure all of our listeners really give <laughs> to about it. All right. Good. No, today, uh, today's a cool show. We got a, one of my all-time favorite authors of all time, if that makes sense. All time. All time of, of all, all time. time. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, we do. We do. And, you know, there's definitely some some insight to be delivered. And yeah. we were very excited to bring this uh, this guest on board. And we're looking forward to sharing the interview with you. But before we get to that, lots of cool stuff going on. As you guys know, we've got the, we launched the chat a few weeks ago, and that's been going super well. You know, we're continuing to build cool new features on the site. And hopefully you guys have been checking out Brandon's amazing webinars. There's just a lot of great information that we're sharing there. So between they are the pretty podcast, amazing. The podcast, the webinar, you know, the forums. I mean, there's just so much free information here on Bigger Pockets. It's just crazy. So go on biggerpockets.com if you are not already a member and check it out. Also, if you are a listener of the podcast, which you must be since you're hearing me speak right now, <laughs> please go on iTunes and leave us a rating and review. Let people know what you think about the show. Uh, hopefully you love it as much as we do. All right, guys. So here it is. Today's guest. He's a bit of a legend in in the world of business writing. He's written one of the best books for small businesses that exists. He's you know very very insightful. He's been on you know New York Times bestseller list, every bestseller list, you name it. The book continues to grow. It's fantastic. Brandon's holding on to it right now. He can't let it go. It, it, it never leaves my hand. Actually, I go to sleep with it at night. I take it to the <laughs> toilet. I mean, everywhere I go, this book. That's great. I glued called, it to my hand, actually. It's called the E-Myth. It's called it's the by, E-Myth. It's by Michael Gerber. And uh, we've got Michael for you today. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. Passive income without the property headache? It's possible. 
There's a way to invest passively in real estate and get monthly income without any tenants, maintenance, or property management. The wealthy have been doing this for years, and if you're an accredited or high net worth investor, you too can collect cash flow without the headaches that come from owning rentals. How? By investing in a private real estate fund with PPR Capital Management. PPR's co-founder, Dave Van Horn, wrote the book on real estate note investing for BP. But he's not just investing in notes. Dave and his team also have an extensive background in commercial real estate. And with PPR Capital Management, they're strategically investing in both notes and commercial real estate nationwide. With over half a billion dollars in assets under management, PPR has provided individuals with a steady source of truly passive income since 2007 without ever missing a payment. Check them out at investwithppr.com. Again, if you're looking to get monthly passive income from an experienced team with a strong track record, go to investwithppr.com today. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com host. So let's just bring him in and get this thing going. Let's so, do it. All right, Michael, it's, it really is a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for coming on board and great to have you here. Well, I'm a delight, um, Josh. You're not as cute as uh, Hillary is. <laughs> so it was the, the, the invitation was Hillary and I immediately said yes. And had it been you, I probably would have thought about it quite, quite a bit more. Now, but you're that, already, you're already that, that my tells you how I am. Yeah, <laughs> that is our secret weapon right now. That's how that's how we're going to get the big guest right there. You know, pretty, pre- pretty, pretty uh, cute, pretty cute guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, today we're going to talk about uh, you kind of your story, you know, where you, you know, how kind of you came along this journey to become known as such a, you know, influential business mind, you know, I guess you'd say. So uh, um, just today, I mean, just to, to preface this today, I reread, basically reread the entire E-Myth Revisited. It's been, I don't know, probably three years since I read it. And it's shocking to me how much like that book impacted my life in ways that I didn't even realize. Like when I read the book, I was like, well, that's a really good book. But like, I didn't think about it until today reading through almost every page. I was like, Oh, that's where I got that from. Oh, that's why I do that. Oh, that's why I do that. <laughs> so it's one of those books, you know, kind of like uh, I said that a, a while ago with a, uh, we did an interview with David Allen and getting things done and it was the similar thing, right? Like just, that's why I love books. So anyway, let's get into it. Enough, enough chit chat from me. Uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit about yourself. I mean, who are, who are you? Well, <laughs> well, big question. It but. Depends, upon what, depends upon when you ask me that question. Um, I'm Michael E. Gerber. I'm the author of 18 books. Wow. Uh, um, you should work harder, Michael. <laughs> I'm trying. Um, my books are um, on the bestseller list of all bestseller lists, New York Times, Business Week, Wall Street Journal, and on and on and on. But the reality is that those books were never promoted um, by us. We never went out and marketed the books. The books have been solely grown, read by the millions of readers that we have because somebody told somebody else about it. So it's been a complete word of mouth phenomenon. And um, it's astonishing to me as well, because in, in one respect, it doesn't, doesn't stimulate my ego. It just simply says that the idea underlying the book is so genuine, so real, so authentic, and so significantly important 
that um, people just have to talk about it. And so accountants tell their business clients, you got to read this book. And coaches tell their business clients, you got to read this book. And attorneys tell their business clients, you got to read this book. And on and on and on and on and on. And um, so the phenomenon of the story within the book really is at the center of everything we've been teaching for over 40 years now. But it didn't just start with the book because the book was a product of the business. So we started a business called the Michael Thomas Corporation in 1977. That's how long ago this was. And that business was the world's first business coaching firm. Uh, Very few people know that, in fact, we invented the world's very first business coaching firm. And we invented the very first turnkey coaching system. Um, that had ever been created. Before coaching became coaching, we had already done it. We called it consulting, but in fact, it wasn't consulting at all because it really only required a relative novice plus our intelligence system to perform the relationship that we created with our clients. So all of this has been about that that very, very first Michael Thomas business development program and a dream we had. And the dream was to transform the state of small business worldwide. So when I started this without any experience doing this, that's what we set out to do. So that's the story. And I think, I think you've done it. I mean, like, I think the fact that millions of people have read your books is a testament to that. Congratulations. You are a success. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Michael. So, what got you there? You know, did you wake up one day, I'm an 18 year old kid that's suddenly going to teach people how to run better business? Or did your experiences up until this point give you uh, the knowledge that you needed to, to kind of launch this? What, what did you do prior to, to becoming the Michael Gerber that we all know as, you know, the teacher? Well, I was everything else. Um, I was a um, encyclopedia salesman. I was a saxophone player. All right. I- I was a framer of houses. I was a beatnik when there were beatniks. I was a hippie when there were hippies. (laughs) Um, I was everything and nothing. Um, But I'd had in my life experiences um, with masters. The guy who taught me how to sell encyclopedias was a master of it. The guy who taught me how to play the saxophone was one of the top five saxophone teachers in the world. The guy who taught me how to frame houses was a master of it. And each and every time I went through this process of being stupid, which essentially was, hello, stupid, because um, <laughs> when I started selling encyclopedias, I, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. When I started at 12 years old to study with Merle Johnston, uh, Merle told me that I was stupid and he hated kids. And he didn't teach kids. Most of his students were already um, professionals. So he didn't teach beginners at all. And he said that uh, most likely by the time we got through our first or second lesson, I'd be out of there because I'd be a major pain in the ass. (laughs) Um, 
so he said, uh, you know, the, the rules of the game are you got to practice. You got to practice what I tell you to practice. You got to practice exactly how I tell you to practice. You got to practice as long as I tell you to practice three hours a day, five days a week. And then you got to come up to Los Angeles from Anaheim where we lived then. And you got to take a bus. Your parents can't bring you. And it's two buses, not one bus. And if your parents will walk through the neighborhood you're going to have to walk to from the one bus to the second bus, they would be out of their minds if they said, yes, you can come here because you're a cute little 12 year old kid <laughs> and the worst section of Los Angeles possible. But that's all what you got to do to get here. And then he said to my parents who were there standing with me as I'm standing in front of this about five foot, 400 pound strange man. Um, and I never want to see either of you again. And <laughs> please, when Mikey comes home and complains about what I do to him here, just know it's the truth. <laughs> so that's like, that's what my life was about. Wow. Long before I ever decided in quotes to become an entrepreneur, I never decided to become an entrepreneur. I decided to transform the state of small business worldwide, but I was already 41 years old before I ever did that. Gotcha. So no, I didn't want to be in business by myself, but I was always an independent contractor. So meaning my whole life was learning how to do it and then really learning how to do it and then going off and doing it by myself. Makes sense. Um, so that's, that's what it was. So what brought me to do this is everything I did brought me to do this. Right on, right on. And then that guy sounds like a real charming uh, fella. <laughs> All right, so Every single one of the guys who taught me were real charming fellas. They, <laughs> they absolutely, absolutely wouldn't brook any backtalk from me. Yeah. They knew how to do what they knew how to do, and I didn't. Yeah. And if I wanted to learn how to do what they knew how to do, then shut up, listen, and do it. And that was their style. Yeah. So that was my karma, yeah. if you will. Right I on. must have been a real asshole years ago <laughs> in another because it just came back and haunted me. Oh, man. I'm sorry. Well, listen, those lessons brought you to where you are today, and, and I think it's benefited millions of people. So let, let's get into this. And we, We've got this thing, the e-myth, right? You are the man behind the e-myth. So what, what is the e-myth? Well, the e-myth is the entrepreneurial myth. And it's the primary cause that businesses fail. And so when you think about somebody going into business, instead of being an entrepreneur like everybody believes them to be, they're what I call technicians suffering from an entrepreneurial seizure. So the cook starts a restaurant, the bookkeeper starts a bookkeeping business, the cardiologist starts a medical practice, and on and on and on and on, each of them believing because they know how to do the work they know how to create a business that does that work, and it's completely untrue. Right. So why is, why is that a problem? Well, because they go to work in the business, doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it, busy, 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 as opposed to what an entrepreneur does, which is to go to work on the business. So the entrepreneur goes to work on the business, you might say, from above. Yep. Ray Kroc didn't make hamburgers. McDonald's did. Ray Kroc never worked in McDonald's. Ray Kroc worked 
on McDonald's to build, to design, build, launch, and grow his franchise prototype. Yep. Because if he didn't design, build, launch, and grow his franchise prototype, he never would be able to scale it. Yeah. So to the degree my business depends upon me, I'm screwed. To the degree your business depends upon you, you're screwed. Yep. Now, in a personality-driven business, which most people believe is key, um, meaning um, Trump, meaning and on and on and on, in a personality-driven business, everybody believes it's the persona of the individual that's of value. But it's completely the opposite of the truth. It's not the persona of the individual. It's the persona of the system. Yeah, that makes sense. So the degree you wish to scale what you do, you have to turnkey what you do so that anybody can do it. And what, and do, you mean, what do you mean by turnkey it? Well, just this. We're having a conversation. And um, that conversation is something you're either making up, making up, making up, and then you get sick tomorrow, Josh, and then Brandon's got to make it up, make it up, make it up. And then Brandon gets sick, and so Hillary's got to make it up, make it up. Now, the good news is Hillary looks a hell of a lot better than he did. <laughs> so you know, Hillary's got covered for a while, you understand? But as long as Hillary keeps on thumping along, making it up, making it up, making it up, sooner or later, it comes crashing down. <laughs> yeah. So what has to happen then in order for it to scale is you've got to invent the system this is how we do it. This is how we do it. This is who we are. And nobody does it like we do it. Yep. So when you do that, it will no longer be Skype. Yeah. It will no longer be this or that. It will be this and only this. And nobody does podcasts like we do. Yep. Not because we invite the best guests. The best guests are simply a part of the system. But in the process of doing that, you're called upon to invent the system through which that best guest looks better than he's ever looked before. The product looks better than any product ever looked before. The questions you ask are not the same questions every single other podcast I've ever been on asks me, and right now they are. They are unique questions, uniquely positioned to discover a unique insight into a unique mindset that has never been discovered that way before. Yeah, that makes sense. So, and I always make it difficult for people to interview me because I always call them on just that. <laughs> so That's understand, okay. you become a client in the process of me being a participant in this process. And my hope is that when I'm done, something's going to happen with you that will transform the way you do what you do and how you do it. And you then will have been Gerberized. Oh, man. <laughs> Free consulting. It, I'm scared, it. man. I'm scared. I, I was warned about you, and, and clearly they were right. <laughs> I like to say it's not true what they say about you, but man, Michael, it sure as hell is true. <laughs> well, I, I tell, I tell you what, I, you know, we, 
One of the things that you know, Brandon and I have talked about for for a number of years now is you know the working on the business versus being working in the business, the technician versus kind of the owner. And right. you know, I you know I've built our business up over over ten years. You know, and the first I'd say eight, I was just in. Period. That was it. I, my head was down. I was just working in the business. I was you know focused on it. And then one day it kind of clicked. Uh, I paid a, a, a consultant to kind of look over my business and he's like, yeah, you know, you, you got to take a bigger view. You know, you can't just be doing everything. And I was like, oh, you know what? That made a lot of sense. This business can't just be about Josh. It has to exist, be able to exist without Josh. And so we've been building it up to do just that is build this up without me. And, and it's been really exciting and really fun. And, um, you know, I, I think, you know, as we've kind of read, you know, your books, we've, we've, um, gotten better at, you know, analyzing and recognizing why we're doing that. And so, you know, our audience, they're primarily real estate investors, right? So we've got investors, we've got agents, we've got other folks. You know, these are small entrepreneurs, small businesses that are, um, uh, you, you know, they're buying one, two, five properties, whether they're doing it on the side or they're doing it as a means, you know, to actually take over their former employment. How can somebody who's in that position build systems without first operating within the systems as a technician? Well, um, this, this is self-serving when I say this, but you understand that over the past 40 years, we've worked with over 70,000 business clients in 145 countries, every imaginable kind of business. So real estate, insurance, and, um, chiropractic, da 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 da, everything and anything you can imagine, gas stations, um, graphic design, everything and so forth, and real estate investors. Um, but we'll talk about it in that regard because essentially the platform for every single one of the folks who you're talking about, guys who are investing in real estate, buy one property, two property, three property, four property, et cetera, and so forth, that they most often do that stupid. So please, I'm not criticizing your audience. I'm just saying, hello, stupid. (laughs) Um, And much the same way as my saxophone teacher said it, my um, encyclopedia sales manager said it, my framing teacher said to me, hello, stupid. You really want to do this? That's what they'd say to me. You really want to do this? Well, there's only one way to do this. It's called my way. My way or the highway. You've heard the expression. So I would say that to these real estate investors, there's one way and only one way to begin the journey of real estate investing or investing in anything. And that's what I call the dreaming room. And the dreaming room really is the platform upon which Every venture, every practice, every business, every enterprise must go through to be able to say to somebody with such certainty that there's one thing you must do. The entrepreneur, which we're describing as an individual who starts a business, is really four different personalities. And these are critical to understand because you each possess these four different personalities Everyone does to one degree or less, to one degree or another. 
And those four personalities, I'm saying to your audience, I'm saying to you, I'm saying to myself, I'm saying to Steve Jobs, I'm saying it to everybody, because when you recognize these four, you'll understand that they're each here for a different purpose. Sure. The first is the dreamer. The dreamer has a dream. The second is the thinker. The thinker has a vision. The third is the storyteller. The storyteller has a purpose. And the fourth is the leader, and the leader has a mission. The dream, the vision, the purpose, the mission. And those words are used loosely by everybody. Martin Luther King said, I have a dream. Well, I would say to every single person who's sitting in your audience that they should go online right now and look up Martha, Dr. Martin Luther King, The Dream, and listen to it. Because once you listen to that, you'll understand what's missing in your life. You understand what's missing in this picture. You understand what's missing in almost every business on the face of this earth. There is no dream. There's a daydream, but there is no intentional dream. And that dream is what I call a great result. So essentially, I'm saying that within every human being on the face of this earth, we're born to create. We're born in the image of God. We're born to create. The creator created us, human beings, to create a world fit for God. Now, you see what a lousy job we've done with that. (laughs) You see also what a lousy job most people have done with their businesses. Sure. Because they didn't have a saxophone teacher like Merle. They didn't have a sales manager like Lloyd. They didn't have a framing teacher like the guy who, between framing assignments, was working in Hollywood, building Hollywood sets. They never had an artist truly, truly a severe and determined and passionate artist, truly take them on and take them through apprenticeship. They've never really gone through apprenticeship in an intelligent way. They just learn sloppy. Sure. Most people just learn sloppy. You know that, I know that, we know that. That's why most real estate salespeople don't sell real estate. They just jerk around. Yeah. Yep. In San Diego County, there are listed 28 plus thousand real estate agents. But in San Diego, they only did about 27,000 deals last year. So we got 28,000 real estate professionals <laughs> yep. who did less than one deal a year each. Yep. Now, of course, there's the 80-20 rule, which tells you that 80% of the results are produced by 20% of the people, blah, 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 choke, 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 choke. I know all about that. But what I'm saying is most people suck. <laughs> well, so how do you do. not suck? How do you not? I mean, well, how do you it, not suck besides You, you start anew. Okay. You start anew, meaning you start with a serious guy. That's why I say I had a saxophone teacher who was a serious guy. I had a sales manager who was a serious guy. I had a framer who was... Each time, I'm attempting to do something other than what I'd done before. And so I'm constantly searching for what I'm here to do. I'm speaking personally. Continually searching for what I'm here to... I didn't find it until I was 41 years old. 
And when I found it, when I was 41 years old, my saxophone teacher, my sales manager, and my framing teacher had brought me to a point where I wasn't here to screw around. I didn't say I want to I want to buy six properties or three properties or two properties or say I want to transform the world. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's the beatnik, that's the hippie, that's the Gurdjieff <laughs> student, that's the you understand. I I want I want to do something. Yeah. So, so that makes sense. I'm here to do something. So, well, okay, go ahead, Brandon. Well, I, was gonna, I want to I want to pull it back into the the, the apprenticeship thing you mentioned, right? So <laughs> when when I mean, is, are you saying that when a person should want to get into any field, like real estate investing, they should find an apprentice, uh, I mean, a uh, what do you call it? A master, right? A master. Now, like yeah. somebody who's doing it, who's in maybe hopefully in your market, something that they can attach to and learn from. Is that, I mean, that's what you're saying. Absolutely. Love it. Absolutely. I mean, that period. Yeah. Um, I mean, don't do stupid. <laughs> Be stupid. Yep. Recognize you are stupid and say, I want to learn this. What do I have to do? Yep. Yeah. And when the guy tells you, well, I don't take many students because they're a pain in the ass. Um, I don't want to, I hate working with novices because they have no idea what they're getting themselves into. You just got to accept the fact that you're going to have to practice three hours a day. You're going to have to come to Los Angeles. You have to take two buses. Your parents <laughs> can't bring you. Are we having nightmares? Yes. Are we having nightmares about this? Uh, the, the no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. The greatest experience I ever had. Yeah. It set me up in a way that very few kids are ever set up. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I was 12 years old. So my parents are looking at me when they're standing there and saying, no, we're not going to do this. We're not going to do this. And so when he said, so do you want to do that? Because the only thing I teach, Merle says, people want to become the best saxophone players in the world. And this is how you do it. So it was not a small aim. It was a huge aim. So, for example, when we, we do these dreaming rooms and um, we do them online. And the dreaming room is a 12-week process in um, three intense three-hour sessions each week with a dreaming room facilitator. The dreaming room is a system, and it's turnkey. And the facilitator isn't a coach or a trainer, but a facilitator, meaning they're guiding the participants in the dreaming room through the process to discover their dream, their vision, their purpose, and their mission. And it's not easy, but it was not intended to be easy. It was intended to produce a great result. For everybody who commits to that. So we're doing a dreaming room in Riverside. It's our first city-sponsored dreaming room. We're creating the prototype so we can scale it to every Riverside size city in the United States. And making it on your own in America is essentially saying you just don't go out and make it on your own. You truly have to understand the rules of the game, and the rules of the game are truly critical. So a guy who's one of the participants in this dreaming room Riverside that we're, you know, working on while we're working in it, working on it while we're working in it, uh, he comes to me, he's, he dropped out after the second session. He said, I'm, I, I listen to you and I understand it, but you got to understand, I'm not, I don't want to create a big business. I'm going to shut my business down. 
And I don't want to be surrounded by a lot of people and hire a lot of people and blah, 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 blah. And I said, well, congratulations. Um, you're now finally come to the point where you realize stupid. Meaning what you did was stupid, how you did it was stupid. And suddenly you're hearing smart, but it's challenging you to stop being stupid. In short, you heard what I said, but you didn't apply it in the way that I told you to apply it. You came to the conclusion that growing a business is about a lot of people and a lot of people are really trouble. And I already know that because I already experienced that. And so I don't want to do that again. And I'm saying, yeah, but no, stupid is as stupid does. The solution isn't to not have people. The solution is to do it right so that when you have people, people are smarter than you are right now. Yeah. Because yep. they've got an intelligent system that you brought to them because every small business is a school. And if it isn't, it's over. Yeah. We, That's great. But when it is, something happened. So these folks you were talking to, and I'll shut up. You just say, Michael, <laughs> I want to ask you another question. The folks we're, we're talking to, I'm saying to them, understand you will do stupid. Yep. So start out smart, understanding you are stupid. And if you wish to be stupid for the rest of your life, then get somebody who is stupid to teach you how to do it. <laughs> but if you truly want to be the best of the best of the best, get the best of the best of the best to teach you how to do it. But understand then you're allowing yourself to become vulnerable to the lessons you've got to learn. And when I learned how to frame houses, I had made the decision I wanted to stop making money with my mouth and start making money with my hands. I wanted to become a, a carpenter. I was 38 years old. I knocked on doors in uh, remodeling uh, companies and said, hi, I'm from Los Angeles. I'm from San Francisco. I've, I've just come down. I'd like to get a gig and, you know, start working. Well, do you know anything about this? Oh, yeah, yeah. I know all about this. And so I talked my way into a job. Um, I lost the first job in four minutes. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you do that? Literally. Oh, very easy. I didn't know anything. Yeah. So I walked in and I started looking around. Now, the thing I learned when I started looking around is, first of all, nobody who is good at this has new tools. So you understand, I went out and bought new. Now I'm yep. 38. You got to say, what are you, stupid? <laughs> I'm going out to learn the lesson by seeing the job. So I can learn. The first thing I learned is used tools. Yep. I mean, it was just obvious. I'm walking in with craftsman tools from Sears Roebuck. The minute the guys see me, you know, I've got a new <laughs> belt on. I got it. Yeah, they see me. Who is this schmuck? <laughs> I mean, it's instantaneous. Yeah. So the long and the short of it is, um, and so um, what I'm telling you, is you learn by doing, but get yourself a teacher. And that's what I got that's in good. my fourth job was that teacher. And that teacher took me, this 38-year-old guy with a beard down to here, a, a hippie. Looks like beard. Brandon. Yeah, but no, I mean, I had a real beard. I mean, all oh, ouch. I, I looked like Rabbi Michal. Oh, nice. <laughs> Gerber Michal. 
And um, he's, uh, okay, now, I, the first thing on the job, I was his assistant. So what I got to do, I got to lift lumber. I got to take it up to the top of the wall that this bingo. Suddenly, I'm on a ladder lifting lumber onto a top. Of, I'm 38 years old. I've never done this shit before. You understand? So I'm learning it, learning it, learning it, learning. He's teaching me how to hold it, teaching me how to climb it. Teach. He's being patient with stupid. Yep. But he's saying, but until you learn how to do this, the way you need how to do this, and I'm going to tell you the way, but you're going to have to follow it exactly, and they're going to be laughing at you all day long here on the job. So if you're not committed, go away. Mm. That's great. But if you are, I'll take the time to teach you. Yeah. So, you know, we, we've. So that's what I'm saying to your audience. That's great. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Real estate investing is great, but for some, the tenant phone calls and clogged toilets aren't all that attractive. So how do you invest in real estate without getting your hands dirty? Invest for truly passive income with Pine Financial Group. Pine's mortgage fund offers a targeted 8% preferred return and an attractive profit split with 70% of net profits going to the investors. You'll earn passive income by participating in lending to house flippers. And it's secure because senior lien holders, that's you, are first in line to get paid. Their rigorous underwriting process and the backing of a physical asset mitigate downside risk. Plus, by investing with Pine Financial Group, you contribute to the revitalization of communities by directing your funds from Wall Street to Main Street and supporting local economies. The investment is reserved for accredited investors. Don't miss this opportunity to back Main Street over Wall Street and start earning passive real estate income. Learn more about investing with Pine at pinefinancialgroup.com BP. pinefinancialgroup.com BP. Calling all property owners and operators. Are you managing a multifamily property and looking to elevate your residents' living experience? Introducing Quantum Fiber Internet, your go-to choice for speedy internet your residents will love. The process is as seamless as Quantum Fiber service. Starting at just $50 a month, your residents can enjoy fast, reliable internet that will make them love where they live even more. Connect with your local fiber representative today. Learn more at q.com slash go big. I wonder how they got that domain. That's q.com slash go big. Limited availability. Service and rate in select locations only. Taxes and fees apply. 360 Wi-Fi and other equipment lease charges, taxes, and fees are excluded from price for life offer and may be increased. 
That's great. Yeah, you know, we get the question all the time, how do I get started? What do I do? And and there's, you know, we always try to point them people to you got to find that guy. You got to find somebody local in your market. You know, you want to learn, you want to read up and kind of get the fundamentals, but you know, like you said, yeah, at some point you got to do it. You know, you got to get your hands dirty. You got to jump in. And the way to do that is not to do it stupid. It's to do it, you know, whether it's find somebody you can partner with and they can kind of walk you through your first X number deals, find somebody who can guide you and, and mentor you. Just find somebody to show you the basics of, of this business. Um, and, and, you know, those people, I think that, that do that tend to find a lot more success, at least in, in what we hear from, from our users and listeners than others. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it works. You talk in a couple, I've heard a couple, you know, speeches from you on the internet and you talk about kind of changing the world and you even mentioned it earlier, um, in our conversation here, don't, don't get into something unless you're going to change the world. Um, so if I'm looking to be a doctor, you know, and Hey, I want to be, you know, the best doctor I can be, but you know, I may not be thinking, Hey, how can I change the world? If I'm looking to get into real estate and I just want to be able to pick up an extra rental property a year and build a portfolio, I still want to work my job, but I don't want to change the world, you know, but I want to find a way to go about building this business in a sustainable manner. Are you saying that I can't do that? Are you calling me stupid for having that dream? Or, you know, do I have to subscribe to, to this way of, you know, it, unless it's something that kind of, quote, changes the world, it's, it's not worth doing. I, I'm just trying to kind of clarify a little bit. What I am saying very simply is that anybody who, I just want to, I just want to, I just want to, I just want it's a waste of my time. Gotcha. You understand, Merle would never take anybody on like that. Yep. You got to be committed. Um, Yeah, my sales manager would never take on anybody like that. It's a waste of his time. He's a master. Um, My framing teacher would never take on anybody like that. I was a dreamer. You understand, I was always a dreamer. I was always a dreamer. Even at the beginning with the saxophone, I was always a dreamer. Even with the sales, I was always a dreamer. Um, even with the framing, I was always a dreamer. It wasn't to, to become a framer. Um, I want to then become, and then I want to become, and then I want to become, and then I'm, so you understand. I'm, I'm finding the channel through which I can express myself. But my expression of myself was like E.E. E. Cummings expressed himself, um, or like any great poet expressed himself, or any great artist expressed himself. I'm saying that inside everyone, there is a Michelangelo waiting to come out. And the problem is we have learned our lessons so well that we limit our scope to the most easily doable. We don't risk ourselves because we learn from our parents that risk is exactly the opposite of reward. And I'm suggesting the dreaming room as the first stage, because until we begin to rumble a bit about what it means to be human, a dream, a vision, a purpose, whatever your dream, your vision, your purpose, your mission might be, until we rumble a bit about that, until we really engage with each other about that, Nothing is going to happen other than uh, just sell it. Maybe I'll get a, a little of this, I'll get a little of that. And you, like you were saying, and then it's to become, well, who cares? I mean, who's interested? Yep. Uh, go, you know, do anything you want. 
but don't bother me. Because <laughs> well, I'm 78, and I don't have the time or the interest to spend with somebody like that. I want to drill in on that, because this is something that you know, I, I noticed a lot of times in my, okay, so people come to me a lot, you know, I'm the, I'm the co-host of the podcast here. So people ask me, can, Hey, will you mentor me? Will you teach me what you know? Right. And I mean, at least five, 10 times a week, right. You probably get it 500 times a week. You know, people like wanting to be wanting to learn from you. So my question is what sets somebody apart when you're looking at somebody who you actually want to take under your wing? And, and maybe you're different. Cause you know, you, you're running a company that does this for other people, but like the average master, you're, your uh, saxophone teacher or the carpenter, uh, I guess, what do they look for in a person? Is it just that passion to want to change the world? I mean, how does somebody listen to our show who wants to learn from a master? How do they appeal to the master to have them teach them? Does that make sense? Yeah, well, of course it does. And, and you understand that's the weak link in all of this. Um, you know, I, I have the spirit, but I don't have the will. I have the spirit, but I don't have the will. Passion is insufficient. Persistence and dedication are absolutely critical because it's not going to be easy to go through this process. Um, not at all, um, because you know, the the size of the requirement is measured by the size of the dream. Now, most people don't have a dream. They daydream. And they think of the word dream in the relationship to a personal desire. I want to get a bigger house. I want to make more money. I want to get a prettier girlfriend. I want to get <laughs> careful. I want to get a Ferrari. I'm going to get all the bullshit that everybody thinks about. Sure. So the minute I hear somebody saying stuff like that, they're driven by lust rather than love. They're driven by greed rather than um, true, true desire, I'm not interested because um, they'll never demonstrate the patience it's going to take to learn these lessons. In short, the dream doesn't just pop up. Oh, got one. Week one. Done. Did week one. Um, you know, they'll go through 12 weeks. I've had people come to me when I did my individual dreaming rooms. You understand, to start this, I did my first dreaming room myself. It was a uh, two and a half day intensive. And then I did another one. Then I did another one. Then I led another one. Then I led, I led 59 dreaming rooms while I was working on the system that would enable me to delegate that to facilitators who I could certify to do that. But until I truly did both in it, on it, in it, on it, in it, on it, to develop it to scale so now we have master licensees in Australia, New Zealand, Japan, Canada, the UK. And now we have Dreaming Room Central in the United States. And all of the launch of all the Dreaming Rooms will happen out of Dreaming Room Central here in Carlsbad, California, and soon to be in Orange County, California, and then to every city, Riverside. You understand what I'm saying? The dream, the vision, sure. the purpose, the yeah. mission. Transform the state of the world. So I'm going to spend my time with a guy who wants to create a, a, a taco stand where he's making tacos because he loves to make tacos. I mean, spare me. So just by asking the right questions, I'll know whether I got the right guy. Yeah. And um, yeah, I do mentor 
Very few people, personally. But very, very, very few. And that nobody can afford me. So, one, they can't afford me, and two, they can't stand me. <laughs> Come call, on. What's your rate? I call, I can, we got this. I call myself the chief aggravator because that's what I do. Yeah. I aggravate people. I <laughs> aggravate them because they're unwilling to truly expand the way they see the world and the way they relate to it in themselves. So it's more than passion. It's dedication. I'm in this. My mentee's got to say, come hell or high water. Yep. I'm not going to quit this sucker, no matter how difficult you make this for me. Because I want to learn what you know. Because until I know what you know, which means I can do what you know, because you've done it, until I have that, I'll never quit this because that's so important to me. But Michael, that requires that requires it's not important to me just personally. It's important to me impersonally because then I could teach that to my kids. Then I could teach that to women with three kids, but no father in the house. Then I could teach that in the inner city. Then I could teach that in Africa. Then I could teach that. You understand? So the, called by something, not just to make a little money, like that. It just drives me crazy when people talk to me like that. So, so I, you know, and, and sorry for interrupting you. It's, <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to get in there. I'm trying to time it. I can't, can't get it quite right here. But the average guy, gal, person in this country, on this planet in 2015 wants stuff handed to them on a silver platter, wants to be able to come up with an idea on a napkin and have $25 million in venture funding given to them yeah, for the, the next guy race. Is stupid. Well, but, but the average yeah, guy is stupid. It, it, exactly. That's stupid, that's stupid stuff. Right. Exactly. Stupid stuff. So yeah. most venture capitalists will not invest in anybody listening to me right now. Oh, sure. You understand? They haven't even gone through the trouble to relate to, in quotes, their dream. Right. I mean, this is a wrestling match. Well, this is so, hard work. So my, my question is then, it's hard work. Absolutely, without a doubt. You got to work your backsides off to, to get anywhere and to really build something sustainable and, and scalable. You've got you've to work at it. So, so, so let's really quickly turn to business plans. Not, not really the document per se, but planning for the, for the future of your business. How much planning is necessary and what do I need to do? Again, well, let's take it back to the real estate investor or, or somebody in the business. I want to build a real estate business. I'm going to you know, jump in and you know, sit down and be focused. What do I need to do to kind of plot my course and plot first my path be, be, beyond the mentor? No, well, the first thing, forget mentoring. The first thing, they, because mentoring is way down the line. Yeah. First thing they got to do is go into the dream room. You understand for a long, 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 long time, we were coaching small business owners how to create, in quotes, their franchise prototype, how to go to work on their business rather than in their business to produce a franchise prototype so that that business is scalable. And the purpose of that was first, so the prototype works. You understand? Because if the prototype doesn't work, like McDonald's, if the prototype didn't work, then the franchise wouldn't either. And so in order for your business to work, you got to turnkey it. 
You have to have a lead generation system, a lead conversion system, and a client fulfillment system. You got to have a management system and you have to have a financial management system. And you got to have those five essential ingredients in order for you to get anywhere. But before you create those five essential ingredients, you have to have a dream, you have to have a vision, you have to have a purpose, and you have to have a mission. It's got to be a reason for doing what you're doing. You understand? First, it's the what and the why of it. The what and the why of it. So what do you want to do? Why do you want to do that? And for whom do you want to do that? And why is that important? Because the only person important in all of this is your customer, not you. You understand? It's not about you. It's about them. Absolutely. Yeah. And if, in fact, it's not about them, you don't care about them, then forget it. Yeah. It's funny. I, all that is, it's greed. Well, so it's I... I've been, uh, you know, we're, we're hiring, we're, we're constantly hiring and, and, uh, you know, I was hiring for a graphic designer, somebody who can help us with our site and build out our collateral and things like that. And one of the questions I like to ask, you know, for those people is, you know, who's, who's the most important person in the process? And this, you know, almost all the other hires, you know, uh, interviewees got it, got it right. And, and this guy just said, mm, well, it's not, it's me. And I'm like, dude. It's not you. It's the customer. They are the most important part. They are all that matters. Everything else has to revolve around how to make sure your customers are the happiest, most successful at whatever it is that your service is and, and, and most satisfied. And that's it. That's your mission. If you can do that, then you've built a business that kicks ass. You know, and, and if you're going to hire somebody that's going to come in and say, yeah, I'm the most important person because I'm the guy with the brains, the design guy, whatever it is, it doesn't matter what the job is. I mean, they, you know, they're wrong and they're not the right person for, for, to bring on board. They're crazy. No, you're right. So it's about them. It's about them. It's always about them. And in order for me to be really, really good at that, I have to really know about them. Uh, both demographically and psychographically. I have to know them. And the last thing in the world I want to do is to pander to them. So you'll note when somebody's selling something which isn't authentic, they're actually pandering to the worst side of their customer. Well, Merle never pandered to the worst side of me. Merle didn't really care about the worst side of me. Merle was only interested in a part of me that wanted to become one of the best saxophone players in the world. Why? Because I was called. So Merle didn't teach anybody other than those who were called. And so it's always called beyond how I am to become who I'm not. And I want to know who they want to be my customer. What is it that moves them to go beyond where they are to become who they're not? Describe for me who you're not. Describe for me who that is and who that you, you desire to be, and then I'll be able to tell you whether I can help you or not. Yeah, because if who, what you want to be is insignificant, meaning just getting by, then I'm just not interested because it's such a tedious tiresome um, conversation. You're not going to do the work you need to do even to get that if you're not interested in doing that. Sure. Did right? you, this is kind of a, I guess, 
maybe it sounds like random question, but do you still play saxophone? I'm curious of like how that plays into, you know, like things like you went through the course, you went, you went through the training from a guy, you know, who was an expert, like how did that play into your later on life? And why didn't you become a you know professional of that for the rest of your life? Why'd you switch over to business? Well, I didn't switch over to business until much later. Okay. James, I guess that was 12 versus 40. Yeah. I switched over to being a salesperson. I switched over to become a framer. I switched over to becoming um, a, um, a um, spirit seeker. I switched over to become a poet. I switched over to become, I mean, I switched over, switched over, switched over, switched over because I'm with the wandering Jew. I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm, looking, I'm looking for the, call it the Holy Grail. I'm, I'm, in that club. Me- I'm looking for meaning in my life. Sure. That's what was driving me all the time. I'm looking for meaning in my life. And so when I became really quite brilliant saxophone player, and I did, very young, um, I began to play in with small groups. Sure. And as I began to play with small groups, I began to turn off. Because the whole world of it was different than I imagined it was going to be. It was a competition. Um, and that competition was just ugly. Sure. So there's a huge amount of ego in playing. And my ego wasn't strong enough, or my spirit wasn't willing to. I don't know which of the two that was, probably a bit of both. I just didn't enjoy the world within which I'd found myself. Sure. And so I looked for another world. And the reality is I had to make a living. Yeah. And so, you know, and blah, 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 blah. And it goes on and on and on and on. So all I'm saying is the realization that you find yourself happens when you find yourself. And it happens over time. So it's really something that somebody like this young guy who's, you know, a whiz at finds himself at 18 and boom, becomes a smashing success. Yep. You understand that that is so rare a phenomenon for anybody to wish for that to happen is an idiot. Yeah. Now it does happen. Sure. Like um, Steve Jobs did create Apple. The Google boys did create Google. Yeah. Right. Uh, there is a Microsoft created by that charming little boy, Bill Gates, who was extraordinarily different and unique and special. Yeah. So all I'm saying is to want that is to want that as a gift when, in fact, it's an exercise. For the vast majority of us, it's an exercise, and most people are unwilling to exercise to do the work. Hey, Michael. So, so, yeah. I, I was going to say, so, so, you know, before we kind of move to, to the very end of the show here, I was just going to say, and I, I think you were kind of going in that direction. What one piece of advice then would you give to people who are looking to jump in and, and start something off? And, and I know this is your vision, your purpose and your mission. That's why I saw this self, um, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like a product. I got a product to sell and I'm selling it. Yeah. Um, I've, and if in fact it's true that most likely all small businesses fail and they do, most relationships fail and they do, most marriages fail and they do, 
most jobs fail to satisfy anyone, and they do, then obviously there's something wrong with the way that we're doing it. Yeah. So that's why I created the Dreaming Room, to wake people up to the possibility that they can't possibly see right now until they go through the process. And that's our commitment. So that's the first step. The second step we call design, build, launch, and grow. Design a practice, build it, launch it, and grow it. Replicate that practice to design a business, which is nothing more than an aggregate of up to seven turnkey practices, plus a management system, and then replicate the business to create an enterprise, which is nothing more than up to seven turnkey businesses plus a leadership system. So there's a hierarchy of growth, and we have mastered the process for doing that, and that's what we're offering to anybody we speak to. That's cool. So let me just ask about the Dreaming Room real quick. I just, I'm curious, like, I mean, just big picture idea about the dream. I mean, are what you're saying is you go to this, is it like a, you you said it's a, an actual physical place, right? This isn't like a. It's um, online. Okay. So it's an on, online. Yeah. We do it on Zoom. Okay. Zoom. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think it, is, yeah. it, is it like a video? How yeah. does that work? We do it on Zoom. It's like um, go to meeting. We do it on Zoom and um, we have four different versions of it. Okay. Um, the dreaming room is, can be one-to-one, one facilitator, one participant. The dreaming room can be one to 10. That's a small group dreaming room. The dreaming room can be one to up to a hundred. That's a large group dreaming room or the dreaming room can be self directed. And that's, strictly online without live facilitator. And so there's a way for everybody to do it. So our intent was to be inclusive as opposed to exclusive. Sure. There are very few people who can afford to hire me. <laughs> and there are very few people I will ever work with. But that there's a guy making $2 a day in Rwanda. I want to be able to reach him and teach him and take him through the process. And so we've organized it so that it's inclusive rather than exclusive. There you go. Cool. cool. Very cool. All right, well, let's move on to the end of the show, which we call our famous four. These are questions we ask every single guest when we come in. And so we're going to throw them at you real quick. Um, I altered the first one a little bit because usually we ask what their favorite real estate book is. Uh, but I'm going to alter this a little bit to say, what is the what is the favorite book? Do you have a favorite book that you've written personally? Like of all the books, 18 you've written now, is there one that if people only read one book of yours, it, it should be what? The E-Myth Revisited. Okay. Why most small businesses don't work and what to do about it. There you go. That's, that's the primer. That's the book. Yep, that's the primer. Well, what about your favorite business book? One that you haven't written, just a, you know, a business book that you've read. Well, uh, the business book that I've read. Well, just something that you, you're not the author of, uh, that has impacted best, your life. Best business book I've ever read. Yep. I read, um, 40 years ago. And that book was called marketing for business growth by Theodore Levitt. Hmm, okay. I've never read a more important business book than that book. I have to read that. I now. guess we got to read it. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's nothing else yeah. we can and say it's about very, it. It's not been reprinted, but you can find it online. Well, let me ask you this: then. if you had to choose between somebody reading that book 
or the E-Myth Ooh. Revisited. Oh, boy. <laughs> wow. Ah. It is a good book, then. It must be. It All right. Be, I, I, have yeah. to, I will read it now. All right. It's not a good, it is a great book. It's oh. the most intelligent business book I've ever read. That's great. Ever. Wow. Well, thank Theodore you. Theodore Levitt taught business at Harvard. Cool. That's not the reason to read it, because that would typically be the reason not to read it. <laughs> but... It is the most brilliant business book I've ever read. And I don't read business books anymore because most of them are stupid. Sure. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I gave up. That was it. That was right. it. That's, that's what we like to say about Brandon's book. <laughs> so if they want to reach me, they want to reach me, they can reach me at Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L, at MichaelEGerber.com. Michael at MichaelEGerber.com or go to MichaelEGerberCompanies.com, our website. And you'll find out more and more and more and more. Hey, we got two more quick ones for you, Michael. What do you do for yes. fun? What, do you, what are your hobbies? What do you do when you're not uh, businessing? I don't have any hobbies. <laughs> no, nothing. Just work. No. I read um, maybe 12 books a month. Wow. wow. So I relax reading. Um, um, reading. And um, those books are either poetry or fiction. Okay. I don't read nonfiction books because they're fiction. <laughs> I'd rather read fiction that says it's fiction than nonfiction that doesn't. That's funny. Nice. nice. Cool. All right. My final question of the whole day, and then we'll get you out of here. If you could pick one trait that sets apart successful people from those who are not successful uh, over all of the last, you know, you know, since the I don't know, the last hundred years, you know, what is that trait that sets apart successful people from those who give up, fail? absolutely determined okay and determined to do one thing so when i meet people who say well i want to do this i want to do this i want to do this i want to do i already know it's over so they're they're leading a life of distraction it's the shiny penny syndrome sure something always looks better something always looks better i've been doing the same damn thing for 40 years yep once i found it once I found it, I put everything of myself into it. No matter how many mistakes I've made. And you've got to understand, I've made every mistake ever made by any human being on the face of this earth. <laughs> but even worse. So when I say stupid, you've got to understand you're talking to stupid. Me. And my whole life has been about smart. Not smart, clever. Not smart, tricky, smart, smart about one thing. And this one thing is making it on your own in America, which will then become making it on your own in Japan and Canada and Australia and on and on and on and on. Because it's the most critical ingredient that anybody can possibly learn. And nobody teaches us how to do that, but nobody. Yeah, cool. Right on. Hey, Michael, how did we do? Was this just like all the other crappy podcasts out there? <laughs> no, you did fine. You did uh, fine. One, because you allowed me to just ramble on. Um, but two, because you asked me smart questions. Well, good. Yeah. So, and I appreciate it. And you're here. So I, oftentimes when I'm being interviewed, I know they're thinking about something else while they're interviewing me. So I got to beat them up a little bit when I do that. <laughs> so that's probably what you've heard. Uh, uh, but, all right, well. That's great. What can I do? 
Hey, well, listen, thank you. Thank you so much. We really, really do appreciate it. Lots of, lots of good insight. And, and uh, we really do thank you for your time. And again, and the books really, really fantastic. And uh, so much appreciated and, you know, uh, lots of good luck continuing to spread the, the mission. Well, thank you. The dream, the vision, the purpose, and the mission. Fabulous. I have a dream, transform small business worldwide. I have a vision to invent the McDonald's of small business consulting. I have a purpose that everyone I teach will succeed in business. And I have a mission to invent the system so that even a novice can do it. The dream, the vision, the purpose, the mission, and they're with me deeply in everybody I speak to every single day. Fantastic. Michael. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much. Thanks, Matt. Thank Take you. Take care. All right, guys, that was Michael Gerber, author of The E-Myth with uh, some sage wisdom, lots of, uh, lots of cool information. And, and if you have not yet read the book, we definitely recommend you check it out. You should. And because we didn't even hardly talk, we didn't talk we a didn't. lot at all about, because no, this is a 30-year-old book, right? So like yeah. we talked about a lot of the newer stuff, but like, honestly, if you've not yet read The E-Myth Revisited, I'd pick up that one. They have The E-Myth and then E-Myth Revisited. Yep. Pick up a copy of The E-Myth Revisited. You can get it for like 99 cents used on Amazon or buy it new, whatever. Uh, seriously, uh, it'll change your life. It changed mine, so... It's great. It's great. Yeah. Awesome. And and we've got a link uh, uh, to that on the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show 125. There you go. Uh, with that, big thanks to Michael once again. And uh, otherwise, guys, thanks for being a part of our world. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us on biggerpockets.com uh, so you can interact with other successful business owners, other folks in real estate. You can find mentors and, and folks in your area, local, successful People, not just the get-rich-quick gurus, but uh, the actual people whose feet are on the ground making things happen. Uh, those are the people that you want to link up with. Those are the people that you want to apprentice you, uh, if that's a word or verb or whatever it is. You know, those are the masters that you want to uh, connect with and and work with. And and so, jump on biggerpockets.com and you can meet them. You could connect with them and you can make that happen. So, with that, I am Josh Dorkin, signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom. And the best investors know it's not about timing the market, it's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals and enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and bam! Instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. 
Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.